Welcome to the Big Niang Theory. Let me ask you one question. This is my podcast. Joel is a card shark. Danny gets swindled. Fashion, I just like stuff that looks good. Greatness just breeds greatness, and we all fit right in. Welcome back, everyone, to the Big Niang Theory. Um, today, we had an unbelievable guest. He had a ton of insight on his life, his journey, and what motivates him, and how he goes about attacking the daily and challenges of his life Joel Embiid and uh I thoroughly enjoyed it you know I feel like I've grown to have a good relationship with Joel but it's just something about him that you know when he gets down and has a conversation um you learn so much uh about his life his journey what motivates him and uh it, it was a it was a special episode today I've been so lucky to watch Joel over these last four seasons and sort of watch him ascend into this MVP that he is. But it's almost been more fun to watch how he's grown off the court as his life has changed, mm. the way that he leads has changed. And so I thought it was an absolute pleasure and a privilege to hear him reflect on both the on-court and the off-court stuff. Yeah, no, he has some unreal insight. And I just the think the way he thinks about things off the court is like, in a very unique way, but that makes Joel Joel, and it, he's an impressive person uh, all around. His life really is like a movie. It is. He even says it. So without further ado, here's Joel Embiid. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Big Niang Theory. I'm George Niang, along with my co-host, Lauren Rosen, and we are super excited about this guest today. Uh, Joel Embiid is in the building. Trust the process himself. Um, Joel, thanks for coming on today. Of course. Just for me, right? Because we have a special <laughs> <Yeah>. bond, right? <laughs> if I was missing some shots, Joel would be like, I'm not coming on. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, but I mean, before we really get into the meat of it, I mean, you've been in the league now not nine? Nine? Eight years. Eight, eight years. Eight years. Eight years. All of them in Philly, which we talked about on a couple of our podcasts. That's like rare to have, you know, being on one team. And I mean, me and Laura were talking before. Your journey is so unique. I mean, the beginning, it was struggling, you know, to, to get healthy. And then, you know, literally having, we talk about all the time, you had like 127 different teammates. Yeah. And now you're looking at us being championship contenders. How have you been able to stay in the mindset of continuing to grow your career? And later on in the podcast, we'll get about your off the court stuff and growing up as like a man. But like, continue to grow and get better and and embrace these new challenges. Because I mean, Lord knows you could have, you know, crumbled early on with all the things that were going on. I mean, Philly is a a tough city to you know have all those losing seasons, and then for you to just continue to show up every day and bring this franchise to where it is now. I'm not sure exactly. I think it's just about, uh, I've always been competitive, um, obviously starting to play basketball so late, uh, but you know, in all the other sports that, uh, that I was part of or that I played, uh, doesn't matter what I did, I was always competitive and I, and I love challenges. Um, so you know, when I started playing, obviously, uh, it didn't, especially in the NBA, it didn't get off to a good start. You know, I had to fight through, you know, whether it was injuries or the loss of my brother or, 
you know, all the negative uh, stuff that was going on around me, um, the team too, because at that, at that time too, the team was not in a good stage. Uh, it was a bunch of losing. Uh, it was extremely frustrating. Uh, but I kind of really took it upon myself uh, to, you know, want to be, I wouldn't say the savior, uh, but kind of like want to be the guy that kind of puts Philly back to where Philly is supposed yeah. to be. Because uh, when you talk about what is the previous seasons, you talk about, you know, back in the day, uh, I wasn't watching, but, you know, the stories that I hear from, you know, whether it was AI yeah. and, you know, the movement, you yeah. know, I you just attracted everything, yeah. everybody, the whole world. And uh, it was all about the Sixers, so I kind of wanted to be the first guy to put Philly back to, where he used to be, um, but at times it was tough. Uh, it was extremely tough, but uh, I think my background, the way I was raised, helped me navigate uh, through all these situations. You know, it was tough growing up. Uh, the way I was raised, you know, I was my mom, uh, my dad. You know, they were always hard on me, so uh, I think that helped me a lot. When you did JJ's podcast last week, the Old Man and the Three. Something that stood out to me was you talked about going to Kansas and wanting to get a job and make money to support your family in Cameroon. Fast forward, and instead of doing that, you end up in the NBA. You're fighting for MVP, which we're going to talk about. But more than that, you're not just supporting the people you set out to support. You're supporting hundreds of families in Philadelphia, really putting down roots in different communities, supporting people you don't even know. How does it feel to know what your goal was and reflect on what you're actually doing instead? Feels great. I mean, the goal coming coming to the U.S. Uh, I've you know I've said it so many times, and I still uh, it's not because I want any credit. It's more about wanting to be uh, kind of like I don't know how to explain it. I want people to believe in themselves. Uh, when I when I always mention this, when I always say that, you know, starting to play basketball 11 years ago, uh, out of nowhere, you know, at 16 years old, like, you know, you know, think about, you know, being, not being from here and coming here and not knowing the language, not knowing everybody. And, like, I just want people to kind of understand that anything is possible uh, and that, you know, if you really want to put your mind up, um, to do something that you can achieve it. And, you know, going back to your comment, uh, you know, really coming to the U.S., it was more about, okay, I'm just going to use this opportunity to try to get a degree. Because at the time, I'm like, I just started playing basketball. I don't believe in myself. There's no chance I'm going to make <laughs> it to the league. So, you know, I get an opportunity to get free education. So I'm like, well, you know, a degree in America is extremely important. If I go back to Cameroon, I'm going to make a lot of money. Like just using that degree and find a really great job because of the education that I got in America. So that's the way I was thinking. And, you know, fast forward, you know, I'm lucky and blessed to be in this situation where, you know, uh, God gave me the talent and I'm just... Uh, taking advantage of it and just walking hard every single day, uh, but you know, you know, since I've been in the league, uh, that that was always one of the main goals for me to try to help 
as many people as I can. Obviously, you can't help everybody, and I wish a lot of people, especially the wealthy, extremely wealthy people, kind of like had that mindset because there's so much money in this world and I feel like if everybody just came together and, you know, put a lot of money, I feel like it could help a lot of people. Like, right. it could solve a lot of, lot of issues in the whole world. And But that's always been my mindset, to try to help as many people as I can, uh, especially because I lived through it. I saw it growing up. So, yeah. I mean, just to hear you, like, when Lauren told me that you talked about that uh, on the old man in the three. Just to hear, that, like, just how humble you are for everything that you have going on. And the crazy part is the achievements that you've had, that you're, like, I don't want to say you're the only superstar that doesn't, like, boast about those things. But, like, you really have to dig to find stuff about you. Like, I think the, the craziest part is I'm going to go back into the basketball realm. But, like, how much scrutiny you've taken for whether it was – early in your career not being able to do this or you're only a low post player you're only this and it's like it just seems like every challenge that comes your way you you achieve and, and you get there like we talked about earlier you're gonna you're gonna make it work but you don't speak about it you never you never speak about it like another thing is people this year were like can Joel Embiid stay healthy enough to play in that many games and I don't know how many games that you play in but there's not too many games where you're, uh, you're that, out. That was the case last year that's why uh, I made a comment the other day about you know talking about the MVP about I don't know what I have to do right. uh, at this point because last year when you, if you think about it it was he didn't play enough games right. and then I was like okay sure I'm gonna come back this year I'm gonna you know, put that argument aside and all that stuff, and I played enough games. So that's why I'm like, okay, what else do I have to do? And I, and it's okay. I think I'm humble, but a lot of people probably don't think I am because I'm you arguing. Yeah. But that's just me being competitive because I, I'm a basketball player. Like, you know, as, as I started realizing what type of talent I had, you know, I'm extremely competitive. I want to be the best. Right. And nowadays, uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, to be, you know, I want to rank, I want to be ranked top five, top ten, the best player ever. Right. Um, but it's unfortunate that nowadays, to be up there, you gotta, you know, you gotta show awards. You know, how many right. MVPs you have, Defensive Player of the Year, how many championships you have. So like, that's why to me. Is also important because I that's my uh, that's my nature. I'm competitive. I wanna I wanna be there, and I know that oh, if that's a criteria to be up there, then I wanna have something to show for. Right. So like he's almost like well, just tell me what I have to do. Like next year, like hey, like it doesn't matter. Like I don't care if I win it or not. If I don't, just tell me what I have to do next year. Trust me, I'm going to come back and do it. And if you want to put another criteria, well, I'm going to come back to follow you and do it again. Right. And you, and you look at this year, like, because you look how they they said that last year. And then you look at this year, you have to come back. And I don't know if we've ever really got to talk about but the mindset that you had to come into this year with, and I don't want to get too in-depth with it because, you know, it's a thing of the yeah. past. but. You had to come in knowing whatever was happening with our roster before that, that you were going to have a boatload of the minutes, the points, 
the pressure to make this team run and you know whether that was playing games or scoring points or doing things down the stretch or getting guys shots you answered the bell on that so how did you mentally prepare yourself to get ready for that type of challenge going into the year because nobody understands it because when you think about it I mean missing that much money off a roster is significant and we had to go a, a long period of time to do that but I don't know what the exact numbers were. I know we were top four in the East while that was all happening. Top three. I, yeah, top three. Yeah. Yeah. Joel no. always knows yeah. <laughs> exactly what the numbers were at any given time. But like what like what is your mindset going in and be like, all right, like we had a heartbreaking loss. Like, how am I gonna get myself mentally prepared to one, like now you know the all the attention's on you and now you know like, okay, all the attention's on me, how can I get Tyree shots, when Seth was here, how can I get him shots? How can I get Shake, George? How can I get all these other guys shots? We're still making sure that you can still do what you have to do. Uh, I think it goes back to the conversation that uh, me and Drew had in the summer. Uh, you know, and he's always mentioned it in the past. Uh, uh, I've, in the past, I've always relied on everybody to try to be successful. And then he always tried to put it in my mind and was like, can you carry your team? Can you do whatever is necessary to, you know, make sure you win games? Uh, that doesn't mean just scoring points, whether it's defense, playmaking, and everything on the basketball floor. So, you know, going into the season, obviously with all the drama that we had, uh, you know, I took I took on that challenge because right. that's what I like. Like right. he told me, it was like, can you do it? And then he was like, I think you can do it, but I don't think you believe it. So I was like, Okay, I'm gonna show you. So we start up the season. I think we were eight and two, yeah. uh, and everything was going well. And then obviously COVID happened, yeah. and you know I got it, and then a bunch of us had it. And uh, by the time we all came back, we were what tenth or whatever. Like right. at some point, we were like sixteen and sixteen. And you know, really, my mindset, you know, just coming in is. And we, I like to joke about it, and you know, I always tell you guys uh, that I don't want to pass, but you know, it's not true because <laughs> um, I make the right play anytime. Yeah. Like if, now obviously, my mindset is like I'm not gonna go out there and get you ten assists. That's just not me. I want to score the ball. Right. I want to put the ball in the basket. But then again, at the same time, I also want to make the right play. If I get double. At times, I might shoot over the double team just because, you know, I feel like I can make that shot. But right. most of the time, I'm also going to, you know, make that play and all that stuff. And what I've learned is that, you know, I can't win alone and I need my teammates. So over the game, I've, you know, I got to pick and choose my spots where, you know, I can be as aggressive as I can. And, you know, also make sure that I get everybody involved because, you know, at some point it's going to come back and help me, uh, whether it's at the end of the game or, and all that stuff. So really going into the season with all the drama that we had, you know, my mindset was just to, you know, I basically told myself, I was like, I'm just going to come in. First of all, it was to be a better leader than I've been in the past. Right. And, you know, you, you, you didn't see me in the past, but I used to be kind of like isolated like yeah, I didn't just to yourself, hang, yeah, yeah I didn't want to hang out and I just you know on the road I just want to be in my room chilling right. all the time playing video games and all that stuff and uh this year I just felt like 
you know, with everything that was going on, I just wanted to come in and kind of bring everybody bring together. everybody yeah. together in my own way. Yeah. Uh, not like always oh, talking, yelling, and all that's all about. We got to do this. <laughs> that's what you have that's George that's for. Like, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's 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 not me. But in my own way, try to bring everybody together, and. I think, you know, what made it easy is, is also that uh, everybody had the same mindset. You know, we kind of... Like we had I something think, to prove. Yeah, we kind of enjoyed the whole drama. Like, we kind of enjoyed the moment. Like, we we felt like, you know what? You know, if you're with us, fine. If you don't want to be with us, it's whatever. Like, we just felt like, you know, we just going to go out there and... You know, just have fun and play with each other and try to win every single game. You talk about wanting to have fun, and I think that that's something interesting in my time with you that I've charted your willingness to let yourself have fun because you went through a phase there where you were like, I'm not going to have any distractions. I'm not going to be on Twitter. I'm not going to have fun. I'm taking the joy out. And now you're willing to sort of add the joy back in. And I think that that was really apparent early in the season when you guys decided to shut out the distractions and win for yourselves and for each other and have a good time. Which leads me to something that George doesn't know that I'm going to ask you about. We've talked about this quote a couple times on the show. What quote is this? And I want you to just read it to him and then just reflect sort of on how you feel now. Is this the one where he tells me that I suck? <laughs> I used to think <laughs> I used to think he sucked, honestly. Obviously on this team he's doing way more than shooting threes. Uh, what I'm impressed with is He's a competitor. He brings so much joy to all of us on and off the court. I'm just glad I have him. That was a lie, but <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that for yeah, the media. Yeah, why are you trying to make a sappy movie <laughs> right now? We really don't even like each other. Honestly, and what I told George after after you said that, because that was early in the season. That was in yeah. November. And that you was guys in Chicago. Didn't, and it was, was you guys Doc really whatever. didn't. Yeah, it was his 1,000th one, yeah. win, right? He, you guys didn't really know each other, and yeah. George wasn't really sure how to feel about it. And I said, if Joel is willing to poke fun at you yeah. this soon, it means that he really likes First you. First off, you're acting like I'm sensitive. I don't care what Joel <laughs> says about me, all right? Okay. I don't. Okay. I don't care at all. This is the big Niang oh. theory. You don't, you don't embarrass me on my <laughs> podcast. But, Joel, tell me why, because it is clear that you've enjoyed playing with George. I mean, I, I think, uh, like I always uh, joke around with him, uh, you know, he's always, I guess, the happy one. He and Tyrese. Always, uh, you know, always talking, sometimes talking for no reason, <laughs> talking too loud. And when he's not talking, like, he'll tell you. Uh, like, last night, actually, I, you know, I'm always, like, poking fun at him and basically telling him that he's too quiet and all that stuff. Because, you know, on a, and he'll tell you, he's been on, I mean, three teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been on three teams. He'll tell you, like, you, like every team needs that type of guy. And I think that's part of the reason why this year I'm more open to just be around everybody because in the past it was like, uh, yeah, like guys were cool and all that stuff, but it wasn't like, there wasn't like someone that was always uplifting everybody and, you know, always try to bring everybody together or make people smile and... I guess that's him. Shake, Shake and Matisse said the exact same thing. That yeah. because George is who he is, yeah. you guys get to be who you are yeah. more naturally. Yeah, for that sure. Yeah, I think I think that's the key, and uh, we never had that in the past. Uh, no disrespect to whoever has been in Philly uh, with me, uh, but it just hasn't been the same. And you know, I always go back to also the drama. The drama they made us 
extremely close. I think he was a source for. I think we enjoyed it. No it, one would say no, but it was like motivation yeah, for us to like prove to people for because sure. they were like, but, if such and such doesn't come yeah. back, like they have no chance. It was like so, yeah. so we're just bummed. It was like it was it was it was basically like okay, like like people probably thought that uh, we weren't gonna be as good and all that stuff. But I've always believed in myself that you know, as long as I'm on the basketball floor, we have a chance to win. So to me. And to all of us, it was motivation to be like, yo, like we started season eight and two before all the COVID stuff happened. Yeah. So from that time, it was already like, yeah, uh, it doesn't matter what's happening. Uh, you know, if whoever wants to come back is welcome. If they don't, that's the problem. Uh, and if we trade for somebody, they're also welcome, but we're going to do with what we have and we're going to succeed. So you did end up getting somebody new. And a couple nights ago, James, I don't even know if you know this, made a very convincing case for you to be MVP, having been an MVP himself. You guys have only known each other for a couple weeks. But what does it mean to you to know that someone who's won this award before, who's one of the greatest to ever play this game, has now sort of thrown himself behind you? A, feels like you should win MVP, but B, wants to do whatever he can to make that happen. Uh, that's he's been he's been great. Uh, it's funny, uh, you know, like, and you know the comment that I just read about him. I know I knew he was a good guy, uh, but uh, it's always better when you actually get to live it. And you know we've all heard you know stories about players in the league and all that stuff. So absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So like when so when you actually get to be around the person, in, like someone. Uh, that you heard something about, and it's completely different. And you know what you heard is almost like uh, this. Uh, this is crazy. So, like with James or anybody that's new on the team or whatever, I think you know, especially James. Like he's been, he's been great. You know, just the energy, the joy, and you know, going back to the MVP talks. Like he just. He just, he just, I think he's just been doing whatever is necessary to make sure that I get it. Uh, and, you know, that's, you know, I appreciate it a lot uh, because he doesn't have to. Uh, he could he have come in here and be like, you know what, like, you know, uh, you know I, I've been the best player on the team and, uh, you know, I've won MVP. And he could have come in here and try to, you know, impose himself and be like, it's me and you. Or like is you or me, but he's coming and just empowered all of us to make sure that we all in this together. No, and like even Tyrese, and I think the the best thing that you and James offer is the basketball conversations. Like, I think people don't give enough credit to those two, James and Joel, is how like smart they are. Like I've said, uh, James is a basketball savant. But when you watch Joel and where the ball goes, like everything is calculated yeah. and there's no like randomness. There's no like there, everything is done for a reason. And some people are like, well, why is he dribbling over there? And then you ask him and he's like, well, because in my mind, I wanted to move this guy because it's easier when I do this. And I don't think people get enough credit, give him enough credit for that. But I think the the best part about James coming alongside him is that they're both basketball savants. So just the conversation that they're having where it's like, hey, Tyrese, why don't you look at this? Or Tobias, look at this. Or George, look at this. While they're talking about it, whether we're playing cards or eating, you know, it's just the conversation that they're having that's uplifting everyone else's knowledge. Because I like to think I'm 
pretty smart uh, on the basketball, you know, intellectual level. But like when you hear them talk, it's like I'm, I want to be like a sponge and, and soak all into that. And I, I think James has been great for everybody. He's been great for Joel, but he's been great for this team, especially when Joel talks about, you know, uplifting. I know we, we're kind of getting off the MVP topic, but before James got here, Joel was uplifting us to a point to where it was like, okay, now we got another jolt. And I think that's what we need, you know, moving forward going into the playoffs. You talk about how smart Joel is, and I don't play with you, so I don't see the basketball side. But I've always been so impressed with the way that you handle media and the way that you can own a room and how strategic you are with your answers. And then we learn more about how much film you study and the way that you pick apart the game. And I listen to the guys every time we do an episode talk about how smart you are. And so I've seen it from my perspective. George has seen it from his perspective. At what point in your life growing up did you realize, okay, I'm really smart. Like I know how to handle situations. You talk about the education piece, wanting to go after an education. At, at what point in your life did you realize that you could really use how – apt you are mentally to get what you want i don't know it was probably after i kicked his ass when i was at iowa state oh <laughs> uh, honestly i don't know were you uh, a smart kid like what do your parents yeah, say about I was you pretty, when you were i was pretty school i was pretty good in school um you know I or were you more like hard working did until, you or was until that? i hit puberty and you know i started acting a little crazy <laughs> Okay, wait, t tell us more. What does yeah. that mean? I started missing classes and stuff, and I used to get beat up all the time. Um, but, you know. Like physically beat up? Yeah. By other kids? No, my, my mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining you, because you must have been a really big kid. Oh I'm like, I'm not worried about you with other kids on the playground. No, nah, I was uh, I was soft growing up. I was, uh, <laughs> you know, I, was a, I was a soft kid. But people were scared of me, obviously. Uh, Just because of your size? I guess, yeah. Uh, but I, I think it goes back to uh, how I was raised. You know, we were, the way we were raised, we were always uh, on a schedule. Like, it was all about school. You know, going to school and, you know, when you come back, you know, take a shower, you had to take a nap and then whatever, eat, take a nap, and then you wake up, you got to study for a certain amount of hours, and then you get to hang out for 30 minutes, and then you freaking go to sleep. <laughs> it's like, it was like that And this every was your day. mom yeah. making the schedule? This was my mom, yeah. And then in the weekends, it was about, like, just chilling, studying, chilling, studying. Like, it was, uh, that's the way we were raised. So it was always about school. Uh, so, but I, I always had good notes, but going back to your question, I don't know exactly, but when it comes to basketball, I think uh, it all goes back to being competitive and wanting everything, like wanting to reach that's that next level, uh, wanting to reach a level that I want to get to, you know, being open about everything, listening to everything, taking everything in and basically figuring out, you know, what's good and what's not. And, you know, me and Drew, we watch, we watch so much film. After every game, he sends me a clip, a voiceover with all the clips of what I should have done, uh, what I should have done better. We have conversation after every single game that, that we play, every single the next day. Uh, that's what we do. And we watch so much uh, film in between from other guys and all that stuff. So I think... Like I was actually saying in the post-game interview, uh, during the game I was talking to uh, Coach uh, Lloyd Pierce. Uh, he used to be the assistant here, and I was basically telling him, I was like, that double team ain't going to work. 
Because that's the same double team that they used to try to do when he was a coach for Atlanta. Like hard up, a hard double, basically what Toronto does to me, uh, and to try to get the ball out of my hands. So during the game, I was just talking so much trash to him. I was like, I've seen everything. It doesn't matter what you do. I got counters to everything. It doesn't <laughs> matter if you send a double, triple teams. I'm going to tell George to freaking stay there, and he's going to get a wide open shot. So I'm going to get guys to be in different positions, or I'm just going to get a deep position, or I'm just going to get to the now where he's going to be hard double, to double. Yeah. And if you want to double from, um, from the now, now I see the whole court, and I can make easy passes. And so that I was basically talking trash to him. I think I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I think I don't know if it's natural or whatever. I think it just it's just the way it is, I guess. Are you guys the two best trash talkers on the team? I don't talk trash. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who, talk, who talks trash on the team? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I obviously uh, it's for survival tactics. So yeah. you know what I mean. But you know, I, I think Joels are 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 subtle and and pretty funny. You know, I, like. Like telling someone, like, what are you going to do? Like, you can't stop me. You know, just little things like that where it's not like outwardly, like where the yeah. fans can see it. But it's letting it's letting you know that he knows that you're there, but you're not going to do but anything. But that probably gets under people's skin. Oh. Like if you're casual about it. Oh, man. That's evil. I, I'm trying to think back. Because there was a time. I'll give, give you an example. So yesterday after the game, and I like to get on guys about this. I've never asked for a double team in my life. So every single guy that I play against, I'm always like, well, like, you're a freaking man. So be a man. Like, if like, you don't need a double team, you know, like, to go tell your coach. You can call me one-on-one. -on -one. But also, that's also a strategy for me. So they actually feel like, oh, my don't, God, don't I'm such a man. I'm such a man. I, I don't need help or whatever. Like, let me go play one-on-one. -on -one. Like, But I'm, I'm sorry to say it. I've had enough experience to feel like, you know, if you're going to play me one-on-one, -on -one, it's a recipe for disaster. So, like, but I'm always trying to get on guys. Like, yesterday after the game, I'm talking to the rookie. I'm like, you don't need no help. Like, you better talk to your coach. Like, you know, like, you a man. Like, be a man about it. Like, I never asked. Like, and then Coach Pierce is right there. I'm like, Coach, have I ever asked for a double team in my life? He's like, no. Nah. And then I'm talking to the rookie. I'm like, then you must be soft then if you need a second or third guy to be guarding Isn't me or that whatever. Funny? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but it's never personal. Like, I'm like, I never go over the line. And to me, like, the game of basketball is all about having fun. You know, like I said, uh, I'm extremely serious about it. And, you know, I got goals to where I need to be um, by, the, by the time I'm done. Um, but at the end of the day, it's never it's not that personal, and there's a lot that I can't control. Is Joel the best player you've ever played with? You know, I've, I think I've I've said. Nah, nah, you play with uh, DeAndre Kane. No, I play with Donovan Mitchell. So yeah, you're number two. Yeah, no, I'm number three. <laughs> DeAndre Kane. Oh my God, no! I mean, we don't have to get into this, but Joel obviously. Is uh no Monte Morris. Yeah, he's he's really he's better. He I'm could like guard Fort. he could guard you one on one. <laughs> well, I played with Wayne Selden, so he's better than yeah. Joel Embiid. No, That's but uh, I I think Joel is is the most unique player that you know I've ever played with. I mean, I know there's just so many different facets to his game, and like I talked about it early on, 
It's like early on his early on his career, he was a back to the basket player, and then everyone knows in basketball, it's so easy to double a big man that only plays with their back to the basket. They have to give the ball up. If the double team's waiting there, it's tough to score, and you kind of neutralize their effectiveness. Then he starts stepping out and making mid-range jumpers. Now he's doing it off the dribble. And when you have a big guy at his size that can score at all three levels, it makes it extremely hard to guard. And I think the most impressive thing that you've done, and I'm, I'm done giving you compliments on this because I don't really like you, um, is that you've picked your points of when to attack and when to let the defense think you're going to attack and pass. And I think once you – once you've gotten to that point, that's what's taking you to this next level. He benefits a lot from that. Yeah. He, he knows it exactly. too. He knows what I. I'm he not, knows what I'm gonna pass the ball. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not leaving Joel. So can we get a lifetime deal done? <laughs> you guys right. are adorable. Enough about this. But I Joel. wish. I wish I was the GM. <laughs> Would you keep but George? But I'm not the GM. You'd keep George. Yeah. I'd keep George for He's life. Right. Um, Joel, I promised you when we were talking about getting you on the show. Then we could talk a little bit about Formula One. Okay. I know you're a big fan. Oh, my God. What? George knows nothing about Formula One. So what I thought would be fun is if you and I pitch him on yeah. why he would enjoy Formula One. Like, wh- I think it might how be the you, most entertaining even, sport in the world. How do you even pitch somebody on Formula One? Uh, do, you have co- do you like cars? Yeah, I like cars. <laughs> like racing cars. I feel like that's very dangerous. It is dangerous. Uh, that's why he's... Do like, you, like, get a thrill watching it, like seeing them go yeah. super fast? Yeah. <laughs> like, when they go crazy and, you know, they start fighting each other, I'm like, I'm on my TV, like, let's go. <laughs> but then again, like, you can't take it for granted because, like, what they do is insane. Like, you know, at any point, you know, How they fast could are be... going? I don't know. Over to like yeah. close to 200 miles an hour, yeah. right? Is where yeah. it tops out. Wow. They're the, it's the fastest racing cars over, of over, over, any way auto over racing. 200 miles per hour. But uh, I don't know. It's just the thrill of it. It's just I don't know how to explain. It. I don't. I can't. I don't know how to pitch somebody on Formula okay, One. Okay, so like, do you root for like a team or is there just individual? So growing up, I used to like. Like, my favorite team is Ferrari. Okay. And I'm actually happy that they're doing a great job this year, and they have done, I have an opportunity to win the championship this year. Um, How many drivers so do they have? Two. Each okay, each each teams have two drivers. Ten teams, two drivers yeah. per team. Okay. So, Ferrari, they're doing good this year, but over the years, there's been one guy that has dominated the field. Like, in Formula 1, is like, there's usually, like, Two cars that are the best, and then everybody else have no, no chance. chance. This year is a little different. It feels like there's like three or four teams, you know, that might have a chance to win the championship. But over the years, there's one guy, Lewis Hamilton, that yeah. that's been dominating the field. So last year, I was rooting against him because I, you know, he's won like seven times, and oh, then yeah, I was sap, like, sap I'm t- yeah. I'm t- like. It's always the same person. Like there needs to be something, like someone new. So that's why I was rooting for. And I like Lewis. Uh, I'm a big fan. But I, I, I just felt like there's like for the sake of the sport, there needed to be someone else. That's just because you love chaos. Yeah, but that's fun though. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you admit it. You don't actually. (laughs) You don't. You don't actually love Max. You just wanted someone else to win because you love chaos. 
I mean, that's fun. I mean, <laughs> he's like, exactly. It's more fun. <laughs> Wait, who went Max? Who? What's his name? So, Max Stappen? Verstappen won his first world championship last year. Yeah, that's why he tweeted like the stop yeah. goat. Or and, and that's why during the world championship, we were on the road, right? And yeah, Joel and was uh, just. No, I was, we were on the way home. Because remember, he sent put the video out of. Of it, like in, in Twitter or something, was it? Or yeah, was we were we were at home. We were at yeah, home, we but were you home. but you gave me just During the endless. last race, it was fun. That that race was crazy. The way everything happened. So it's also super unfair. That's another reason why I think you might like it because every team has just like grossly different budgets, but they're yeah. all held to the exact same standard. Oh. So they all have to race on the same tracks. They. Yeah. And, and if you win, you're given more money for the next season. Yeah. So the good yeah. teams keep getting richer and richer and richer, yeah. and the bad teams stay bad. Like, it's yeah. super unfair. Every track is different. Like, there's so like, much like parity. Basically, to be good, you got to have, like, a like billionaire investor that just comes in and just throws a bunch of money. Yeah. And then right. half of the drivers are like the kids, not half, but a large chunk of the drivers are children of those investors. Yeah. So there's some really good drivers that will never drive in Formula yeah. One because a lot of seats are taken up by paid drivers. And wow. they're not, and those kids are not, not even good. good. Yeah. They're just on there because our dad father's a billionaire and they invested in the in the team and. They just happen to have a seat on the, but it is not a fair sport. Like there's always it's not fair like, at all. over over the last what eight nine years or whatever, there's only been one team that has been good, and that's why last year was so exciting because it was like finally someone someone finally beat them. Like someone finally beat Mercedes. Like finally it's over. So that's why I was happy. But Ferrari. This year, is they the, this got is it. their year. All right, yeah, I'm gonna go get look, me a team Ferrari sw- sweatshirt for Formula yeah. One. And you grew up watching too, right? Like this yeah. has always been part of your life. I watch every sports growing up, everything. Soccer, Real Madrid, I know that. Yep. But how old were you when you first watched basketball? Um, I was probably 14. Uh, you had never even watched it before. No. That's crazy. So yeah. how old were you when you started playing? It's probably like six years old, but now you're making me look bad. So you've been playing for 22 years. Joel's been playing for 11 years. Yeah. You've been playing basketball double as long as Joel, and you're the same age. Yo, I'm getting real uncomfortable right now. (laughs) Sorry, I just (laughs) had to. Okay, but we're talking about someone that. I know it's a, it's it's impressive. I, I would say it's impressive. I don't. To me, it's like the way I see it is like, like I mentioned in the beginning, like. It's cool, but like I want it to be a source of motivation for everybody coming up, right. especially people from Africa, because we don't have these opportunities and we don't have, you know, the money or the budget or, you know, these facilities uh, to be able to get better and learn and compete with the rest of the world. Uh, so to me, I want it like every single time that I get the chance, like I want to tell the story because I want someone to listen and be like, uh, it doesn't matter when you start. Like, yeah. you know, if you put your, obviously, I think I'm, I have a question for you. Do you think we all, so we were having this conversation with Drew. I don't know what the subject was exactly about, but I think it was something like, are we, all equally talented like from birth yeah like i mean i I would think that you come out with the obviously there's like health deficiencies but i think 
If you're sturdy. Are you calling my height? So so let let's just let's just stick let's just stick to basketball players. Are we all equally talented? And people are just better just because they build differently or they work harder. I I think it's still work harder, one hundred percent. Because I think if you have the motivation to get it right, to constantly work at it, you can be better than someone that can get it in like twenty hours less. But if you're putting in sixty hours more than them, like I'm going to be better than you. You may get it quicker, but if I'm putting in more work, it's definitely work harder. No, without a doubt. That's what we talk about with Tyrese a lot. What do you, What do you think? Um, I'm not sure because there's a lot of guys in the league that are pretty good, but they don't work hard, and I've seen it. I'm I'm not exactly sure because you know I look at myself and. You know, sometimes I ask myself and I really get pissed off and this is why I can't be a coach because I'm like, uh, if I'm able to do something, why can't everybody else do the same thing? Right. So I get I get extremely pissed off. But then again, I also think about, you know, we might be equally talented, but we don't have the same opportunities. Right. Like, you know, coming into the league, I don't know, let's say if I would have, got and drafted to a winning team, maybe I don't know if I would have been as good because I wouldn't have the opportunity to make mistakes and get playing time and play through it and all that stuff. Maybe I wouldn't have enough time. Maybe I wouldn't be in the league. I don't know. You know, I'm going to have to disagree on that one because we'll we'll even bring it back to Kansas and then we'll move on uh, from this. In Kansas, like, you weren't given anything, but you still managed to end up being a starter, still being a guy that won them games and led them to a special place. And you say, like, if you got drafted to a winning team, I think the thing that separates you is you have the motivation and the drive because you have so many people. Like, you have a whole country behind you. Like, it's not – I think you've put in your mind, like, it's not about you. It's that little kid that looks up to me that I have to go out there and continue to be the greatest I can be and. Even now, I'm sure that you have a son, like you have a family. Now it's even more of a motivation. Is the that's the reason why I'm playing? At no, the level 100%. I've been playing the last year. Like we're on the plane, and he was like, "I was, you know, I was hurting. I was so tired." He was like, "But it was my son's first game, so I knew I had to keep going." Yeah. Like when you hear stuff like that, it's like, how can someone lose when that's like their motivation? And that's why I think you are as special as you are because you're motivated by things where other people are like. Oh well, if I make it, I make it. Well, you're like you say it all the time. Like you need to make that because I like I need to make that, and that's and that's like your motivation. Like there's, failing is not an option, and that's why I think you've been so successful. So I don't know about the opportunities because there might be someone that was given the same opportunity, but you're gonna go take the opportunity where other people yeah. will will let it slip through their fingers. I'm curious how it all ties together. You talk about wanting to spend more time with your teammates off the floor and be more of a leader and be more social. You also say you've been playing your best basketball. How much do you think Arthur has changed the way that you just interact? Because you've talked about how it's changed the way that you play and the standard that you hold yourself to. But how has it changed you in terms of how you're part of a community and part of a team? Um, Obviously, being a father, um, like I said, um, is really the reason why. I mean, I was already playing at a high level, but... uh, you know, since I've become one, uh, I think he's uh, 
I don't know. It's, I, I really don't know how to explain it. Uh, it just changed the way I think and, you know, the way I do stuff. Um, and I don't really know any explanations. I just think uh, it's because I, you know, first of all, want to be a role model to my son and, you know, have him look up to me and basically see, you know, what I've done as a man and then obviously as a basketball player and uh you know and I want to set the ball high extremely high so you know growing up it needs to be better because that's the same way I used to think about my dad uh you know when he was a handball player and I used to go to his games and I used to see how good he was and how respected he was and I was like I want to be like him um but now my dad level where I think I'm better than them at this, you know, obviously different sports and stuff, uh, but that's the same way I want my son to look at me, uh, but I don't really know. I think he's just, um, you know, the joy of, uh, you know, being one and having a great family, having great people around me, um, you know, my fiance. And, uh, you know, everybody that supports me, uh, I think, you know, it's the combination of a lot. Uh, I think that was well put. And you should see Joel when he's FaceTiming his son. I've only seen it a couple of times. And I always feel like I'm kind of intruding on, like, a personal Joel moment. But the way that you smile when you look at that kid, it's Uh, unlike any other smile. And I've, I've observed you for many years now and you have a different smile for him yeah i hate being on the road like i can't wait to go home tomorrow night yeah that's his pal that's his guy arthur (laughs) all right well moving on to uh our last segment it would be you know we we kind of ask every guest if they had you know could give their younger self some advice what would that be so if you could tell uh 14, 13, 12-year-old Joel Embiid, some advice, knowing what you know now, what would it be? Um, nothing. I wouldn't want to change anything because I feel like the way I am today is, uh, is well connected to the way I was brought up and the way I grew up and uh, and the way I got here. So, uh, yeah, if I really have, uh, if I had to give an advice to my younger self, uh, I don't know. Just, I wouldn't change anything really because I feel like everything that I went through was for a reason. Uh, you know, even, you know, those injuries, uh, those first two years and, you know, losing my, my little brother um, and, you know, everything that happened in between, I think, you know, it all happened for a reason. I think I think that was well put. Experience is the best teacher. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, Joel, thank you for making time for the Big Niang Theory. We Big owe Niang you. Terry. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Of course. We appreciate you. Yep. Yeah.